0: This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking with Dr. Jessica Chen, a bioinformatician at CDC in Atlanta. We'll be discussing E. coli 0157H7 strain linked to leafy greens associated outbreaks. Welcome, Dr. Chen. Thanks for having me, Sarah. What is E. coli 0157, and how is it different from other strains of E. coli? Is it worth for people to get it? Thanks for that question. E. coli 015787
1: is a specific type of E. coli bacteria. Those letters and numbers attached to E. coli denote the serotype of bacteria. And serotyping is a laboratory technique that we use to characterize the antigens present on the bacterium. Some E. coli are harmless. But o 157 7 can make a special type of toxin called shigatoxin. And so we refer to O157 and other bacteria that produce these toxins as toxin producing E. coli, or STEC for short. Other E. coli can make shigatoxin, but O157 is the most common in the U.S., and this can really result in severe infections, notably their hemolytic uremic syndrome which is a disease that impacts the kidneys, and STACs can can even result in death.
0: And when was this strain first
1: discovered? E. coli 015787 was first associated with an outbreak in the early 1980s, and this outbreak was investigated after reports of illness associated with undercooked hamburgers.
0: Are there growing numbers of outbreaks from it? E. coli 015787
1: is a major cause of foodborne illness, And we see approximately 63,000 cases each year. However, in terms of overall illnesses from STEC, we know that through active surveillance, we have seen an increase in STEC infections in recent years, though there was a dip in reported infections during COVID.
0: You mentioned hamburgers in the 80s. Is that still the main source of contamination or has it broadened out to other foods?
1: We do see other food sources associated with Stec infection. So ground beef was initially a major cause of outbreaks. However, more recently, more recent data with Tech we see vegetable row crops, which is a designation that includes leafy greens uh, responsible for a growing number of infections.
0: Are some leafy greens found to have more contamination than others? There is some evidence of this.
1: There was a publication that came out in 2020 that looked at leafy greens outbreaks from 2019 through 2018, and the study showed us that more outbreaks were linked to romaine lettuce than any other type of leafy green. We're not exactly sure of the reason behind this, and I think additional studies are needed to really get at this question.
0: There seems to be some thought that leafy greens are getting contaminated because they're often planted near where cattle are raised, grazed, housed, I don't know. Why are they planted so near cattle? So commercial leafy greens
1: production really requires very specific environmental conditions. And so there are specific lands that are most suitable for this type of leafy greens production. And these areas may often provide enough resources to house other agricultural practices, and this can include cattle production. So some twenty twenty. Two USDA estimates indicate that there are more than three and a half million cattle and calves in Sacramento and San Joaquin Valley. And this coincides with key areas of fresh produce production.
0: Is there a solution to this growing contamination? It's not just this strain. Cattle running off into vegetables seems to be an ongoing problem.
1: So in response to these, there are two large leafy greens outbreaks in 2018. Producers in California and Arizona increased the buffer zones between cattle operations and field production. And as we re- continue to revisit the evidence, additional changes might be necessary on you know how big that buffer zone is. It's also important to note while cattle operations can be an important source of leafy green contaminations, they're not the only source of contamination. For example, like. Wildlife may play an important role, at least in terms of some contamination. So it's really a multidisciplinary problem that's going to require a lot of
0: collaboration to, to continue to minimize risk. What prompted this study?
1: So we started the study following a large E. coli O157:H7 outbreak in, that occurred in late 2019 associated with romaine lettuce from the Salinas Valley, California. And we thought to have a look at the related isolates to this outbreak and really get a snapshot of this strain and understand its role in outbreaks over time.
0: Without getting too technical here, how did you go about determining the strain? So we
1: leveraged available data from PulseNet, which is a national laboratory network. And this laboratory network allows us to compare DNA sequences From disease-causing E. coli bacteria from across the country. So by looking at these DNA sequences in PulseNet, we could identify the strain causing the
0: 2019 outbreak and identify
1: related outbreaks in cases.
0: Let's take a moment here for you to tell us a little bit more about your study. Thanks for this question. In the
1: study, we examined whole genome sequence data. So this looks at the entire genome of the bacteria, and it really affords us unprecedented resolution in studying these strains of disease-causing E. coli. And so we use this data to understand what outbreaks and cases were linked over time, start to understand how the strain emerged, and identify unique genetic features associated with the strain.
0: After you did all this and looked at all of this, what were your conclusions? So we saw this strain associated
1: with six different outbreaks during the study period and then a seventh outbreak immediately following the conclusion of our, our analysis. We determined that this strain emerged in late 2015 and quickly diversified into two distinct genomic groups or what we call clades, which were associated with distinct growing regions in California. So one of these clades was associated with the Santa Maria region of California, and it had interesting genomic features. There was extra DNA in um, isolates belonging to this clade in the form of two circular plasmids. And we do not yet understand the role of this extra DNA, but it's, it's something that we noted and highlighted in our study. We also found in this clade associated with Santa Maria, California, that there was a previously reported mutation in a gene that might increase tolerance to arsenic, which is a heavy metal that's sometimes found in the environment. And this might lead to increased fitness in this specific region. And then we identified another clade that was associated with the Salinas Valley, California, but did not have these extra genomic features.
0: Was there anything that surprised you? So interestingly, cases
1: with this strain have not been observed in the last few years. The last outbreak was in 2020, and after that, only a single isolate of this bacteria has been uploaded to PulseNet, that's our molecular surveillance network. I think it's really interesting how quickly the strain diversified into two distinct genomic groupings, and we don't yet know how this strain appeared in leafy greens
0: or these two growing regions
1: or all the factors around why we don't see this particular strain of STEC anymore.
0: What does this study provide to public health?
1: So this study really hits at the dynamics of enteric bacteria. We typically think of enteric bacteria occurring as part of an isolated outbreak or causing perhaps sporadic cases. But the study really highlights the role of reoccurring, emerging, or persisting strains of enteric bacteria, which we call in our paper REP strain. And these can cause reoccurring outbreaks and illnesses over longer periods of time. So we're not just looking at things in isolation, we're looking at things over a longer period of time. The study also provides a really nice analysis framework for how to approach these so-called REP frames from a genomic standpoint and gives us an an idea of how to really study these in the future and and gain additional insights from the genomics.
0: Okay, so apparently this is um, strain is emerging and there's some stuff we don't know about it. What future research is needed?
1: We're really just beginning to understand these so-called rep strains. They are not unique to E. coli and not even leafy greens. So these rep strains are found in other pathogens and other sources. My team and other teams at TDC are studying these strains in order to gain additional insight on them and to understand different factors that may contribute to their emergence and persistence in the food
0: supply. This may be hard to answer, but do we know if people get infected more at home or in restaurants? So we don't yet have that determined for this strain. However, other leafy
1: greens outbreaks have been tied to both exposure at home and in a restaurant setting. So an analysis of these leafy green outbreaks from 1973 to 2012 in the United States indicated that Most outbreaks associated with a single location were attributed to food prepared in a restaurant. However, more recent data is needed to look at this in more recent years since that study concluded in 2012.
0: How can people protect themselves from getting sick, from eating these contaminated greens? Leafy greens are so healthy for people nutritionally, but I find myself shying away from them anymore. Is there a better strategy than not eating them? Yeah, thanks for this question. Like you said,
1: leafy greens are a really important part of a healthy diet, but sometimes they can be contaminated with harmful germs. So, unless your leafy greens say that they are ready to eat or triple wash, we do recommend rinsing your leafy greens under water before eating. Never use a bleach solution or other disinfectant to wash produce. When you're in the store, look for leafy greens that aren't bruised or damaged. And be sure when you get home to store that produce separately from raw meat or eggs or other things they could become cross-contaminated with. In your home, like to minimize cross-contamination, use separate cutting boards and utensils and just practice good food safety hygiene. We have a lot of tips on the CDC webpage to keep yourself safe in the home.
0: Dr. Chen, tell us about your job at CDC and how you became interested in this topic much for this question. So
1: I'm a bioinformatician and probably that's not a job title that's super familiar to people. So bioinformaticians use their knowledge of biology and computer science to analyze complex data sets of genomic data. So this study is a great example of the types of analyses that a bioinformatician can do. So bioinformaticians can study problems from say human cancer genomics, all the way to foodborne outbreaks. So it's not just kind of the microbial angle that that we looked at in this study, but there's a lot of other disciplines that can use a bioinformatician's help. I'm super interested overall in applying my skills as a bioinformatician to start to understand the why behind certain strains of bacteria cause outbreaks. And I find these rep strains to be a really fascinating example and and look forward to kind of continued analysis on this front.
0: Well, you're right. Even working at CDC all these years, that's not a job category or title I've really interviewed anyone from before. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> yes, I, I might be the first one. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Dr. Chen. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks for joining me out there. You can read the September 2023 article, Reoccurring E. coli 0157H7 Strain, Linked to Leafy Greens, Associated Outbreaks 2016-2019. through 2019. Online at cdc.gov eid. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.